I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday night. Well, actually, it's technically Sunday morning because AEW decided to go up until midnight with their pay-per-view. This is your recap of All Out. I am Don Tony, and joining along with me tonight is... Anthony Missionary Thomas. How's it going? I'm all right, man. A little tired. It's been a long fucking day. Mm. Uh, But I guess it makes sense considering that apparently we are establishing that AEW's All Out is their version of WrestleMania. It is going to be their yearly big ta-da. So. Now... Explain to me, and and look, uh, we'll do pretty much everything in match order, but I'm just a little bit confused. Um, Why wasn't MJF on this card performing? Why was there no heel turn on Cody? Like, what was the purpose? If this is their WrestleMania, and this is the lead-in technically to their live TV, right? What did you think of MJF just being on the sidelines? I mean, what was horribly, that? Horribly fucking disappointing. That dude has has been one of the shining lights. Like naysayers and people that are fanboys of AEW have kind of unanimously agreed that MJF is a special guy. Like he is a diamond in the rough. More than a lot of the other guys on the roster, a lot of people want to see more MJF. Mm. So instead of actually showcasing him and putting him out there and giving fans what they want, at least when it comes to MJF, I'm not saying that the rest of the show is bad or nothing. I'm just saying they instead have him valet for Cody Rhodes. Right. And brass in the chat. I don't buy MJF as the quintessential baby face whatsoever. You just felt like he was going to turn tonight Sure just his mannerisms and even they even, t- even kind of teased it a little bit because yes. he had the chair there for a second and he did the nah, nah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Uh, All Out is in the books. Now, uh, look, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but over a year ago, I said that AEW will be the first ever millennial promotion. It's not just the audience that they're catering to, but it's also agendas. It's also uh, things that have to do with today. And you see the direction that they're putting a transgender in the main event for the women's title match. And you could see, you know, the publicity out of that. Instead of having, and this is nothing against the referee who main evented Jericho Page tonight, I thought she did a fine job. Sure. But Don't you put about the Yoshi match too, that was completely separated on its own and not really a US thing that they've they've definitely heavily promoted. Right. And you have a woman doing this referee, and I have no problem with a female referee in a main event. 
But when you are advertising your first ever heavyweight championship title match, it's like when you go to like a big time, very important function, you put on your best suit, you put on your best tux, you make sure that everything is top notch. And instead of putting what they would say is the top referee, I'm not saying Earl Hepner should still fit that role. But to turn around and use that because of, you know, first female and then you could see like the female getting into the to their faces. And I had a little bit of a problem with her officiating tonight towards the Mm -hmm. end of the match. I don't know if you saw it. I know we're jumping back and forth a little bit, but I don't know if you saw it. But one of the wrestlers, Jericho, kicked out of Paige's finisher. Yes. And. Paige is the one that should have the extremely frustrated look on his face that he can't believe Jericho kicked out. I invite anybody to rewind that particular moment and just focus on the referee's face. She looked like I look when I'm constipated, when I'm on the bowl, and it won't come out. She put this frustrated look on her face like... Like Dude. you're not fucking wrestling nitwit. There right. was just no. She was emoting. She was jumping around the ring. Like you'll see her at certain points wincing when somebody was getting hit. It's like what the fuck are you doing? Like Joey talked about this a while ago. He's like the ref's main job is to be the fuck out of the way. Right. Not so, you're not. You shouldn't even know what she the, was drawing attention to herself. Yep. She was doing everything that you're not supposed to do as a ref. This is WWF circa 19, it might be 81, 82-ish. I can't remember his name. He passed away this year. I actually paid tribute to him. WWF used to have a referee. And I remember his name off here. Maybe someone in the chat. By the way, shout out to all of you live. Uh, Maybe you'll remember his name. But he came into the WWF and he also had like a little boxing school, little gym or something in Brooklyn, New York. And people always thought he was Asian. Like he was very short. He had like a Fu Manchu mustache. And when he first came in, when he'd do the two counts, he would fly all around the ring and do this and that. And WWF was like, look, you know, stop all this shit. You stop bringing attention to yourself. And he stopped doing all of those things. And he talked about it in interviews. And, you know, look, when I said over a year ago that AEW would be the first millennial promotion, I'm not saying that is a good thing or a bad thing. But I think people now are starting to understand. Remember many years ago, I said Roman Reigns was going to get the John Cena push. Yes. And people were like, what are you talking about? And I remember Kev even saying to me, like, you don't look like Cena. You don't wrestle like Cena. But people understand what now what I meant by that. And we're seeing this with AEW now. Um, I don't know. I mean, the overall pay-per-view, I see some people on social media saying that it was the pay-per-view of the year. It was fucking incredible. It was awesome. You had some great matches. Yes. I mean, look into it. There was a, there. It was a stacked card for what it was. They got rid of a lot of the things that I think that people were complaining about. We didn't see oiled up Japanese guy or no leg guy. Or yes. That. So I was kind of happy about that. And some of the matches were really fucking good. I mean, next level good. And I was very impressed by yes. that. Yes. But there there are kinks 
in that same exact armor. You know, there are definite holes in tonight's show that shouldn't be praised and should be talked about. Right. And AEW, I say this repeatedly, it's still brand new. So you actually want them to make some mistakes right now. Because, you know, I, I, I always use this comparison over the years. I got a friend of mine. His name is Tom. I've been a friend of his since I was probably like 12 years old. And at one point, he was dating this girl. I don't remember her name. They dated for about five years. They got married. They were like the perfect, perfect couple. Never fought. We would go camping. He would carve her name in trees. Like, did they just were massively perfect in love with each other. It's almost like the Seinfeld episode where he's fucking dating that girl and he thinks he's dating himself. They were so perfect. And I remember my friend telling them one time, like, the first fight you used to get into, you're done. Now, I'm not saying that eight, and that actually did happen, by the way, to them. Uh, they got married and then they had this big blowout and that was it. They never recovered. I'm not saying the AEW, they'll never, they won't recover. But the thing is, is that you you want bumps in the road because you want to see how you handle adversity. You want to see how you handle certain things. First off, I thought AEW's probably biggest upgrade tonight was their announcing team. Excalibur, yes. Golden, Golden Boy. Boy. And yeah, he did a great job. Him and Excalibur did a great job. Jim Ross was definitely there to even things out. You could tell that Jim Ross is still a little bit flustered, and obviously, you know, uh, AW wants Jim Ross to be the voice there. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, I think Golden Boy and Excalibur did a fantastic job. Uh, and during the pre-shows and StarCast, they had Scott Hudson and someone else. I can't remember who. Mm -hmm. But you could tell that it was, it was so bad. They were making uh, X-Factor jokes. Yeah. And they kept calling them, uh, like... He kept wanting to call him X-Pac versus Omega. Oh, uh, yeah, like, yeah. It's not X-Pac, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, can can we address Pac? Mark Madden, thank you, TJ. Yeah, can we, can we address Pac right now? Sure, let's... Or, you know, unless, unless all the announcers, we find out tonight that Jim Ross and everybody is from Boston, uh, and they're saying Pac... Um, do you think... Yeah, they kept calling him Pac. They, the whole night... And listen, at first, you know, it just reminded me of when Harley Race used to call Yoshi Kwan, Yoshi Khan. You know, so you make a little mistake, but Pac has been around for a very long time. And when you first say Pac, you know, it's like, okay, you know, it's not like you're from Boston or New York. You're like Pac. Uh, right. And then they kept doing it. Pac, Pac, Pac. Give me a pack of cigarettes. Pac, give me a pack of this. And then tonight during the main event, they're bringing a pack again. Pack. Do you think that this is being done? I know this is going to sound insanely stupid, and it probably I deserve to be called stupid. But could it be because of Sean Waltman still using Pac in the United States that they don't want to Pac's? That even though Sean Waltman doesn't wrestle anymore and everything like that, do you think they're going with Pac? Almost like when they did the Ultimate Dragon. I mean, why are you calling him Pac? Pac. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Like in Pac-Man. I, I think it's just a it's a, a mispronunciation. No, I don't think so, man. Everybody mispronouncing it to everybody. Not even one person go Pac. 
Everybody went pack. Is is pack too unfamiliar to people? Is that what it is? Hmm? Do you think that they're trying to force? Because I I can't believe it's because of Sean Walton. I I have no idea. There's gotta somebody and look. I can't trust these goofy websites because everybody assumes everybody fucking read interprets news because they read tweets. Look at the Enzo fucking cat story this past week, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So, oh no, we talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, people out there, especially podcasters and websites, stop reading fucking tweets and then acting like it's news. Please, you know, it's just annoying because then I, it gets thrown on me. Hey, what do you think about WWE? Interested in that? Where would you read this? Oh, it was on Twitter. <sighs> I want to know why they kept calling them PAC. PAC. Uh, Let me, the, the bastard PAC. You know, it's like PAC. Right, it sounds more like a stable than anything. What are, the, what are they? They're the PAC. PAC. I don't know. I don't know. The PAC for one guy? That doesn't even make sense. PAC is a fucking plural definition. Pack. Are they talking about his six pack? Oh uh, man, I who knows? I, I, but um, but the announcing team was definitely upgraded tonight. Nothing against Marvez, but he wasn't oh, gelling. Right. No, no, he did look. He was worse than David Otunga territory. And you know what, Marvez is good. It just you got to find the right role for him. And this right now to throw him right into the mixed. I think was a wrong way to go, and we'll see where it goes. Um, but I agree with you. You know, a lot of the the stuff that they had on the last show was eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get into the matches? Sure. Let's fucking run them down. Man. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about Jericho and everything. I, I got a lot of predictions wrong. I honestly thought Hangman Page was going to be the first champion, but then... I started thinking a little bit of Terry Funk, ECW. We'll, we'll get into that later. Casino Battle Royal. For this spot to in the match for their first live show, they're going to have a match for the women's title. And the Casino Battle Royal, they had only announced a few names. Now, when Justin Roberts is reading an index card for more than 10 seconds, you know that there's too much fucking rules in it. But the bottom line was, was that, you know, supposedly like a deck of cards was was distributed and the wrestlers who got hearts would come out. The wrestlers right. got diamonds who come out. You know, I would have loved some funny racial overtones if, you know, certain wrestlers came out on the spades or clubs, but it didn't happen that way and yeah. and deservingly done the right way. Um, but basically, you would have wrestlers come out in groups, and there were a lot of names that were not originally announced, but basically we had uh, Leva Bates, Fabi Apache, Nyla Rose, Priscilla Kelly, Shalanda Royale, uh, Britt Baker, Big Swall, Sadie Gibbs, Shaza McKenzie, Penelope Ford, uh, Ali, Nicole Savoy, Teal Piper. Uh, by the way, Teal Piper. Be her next week. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. me and uh, Lee uh, will be interviewing Teal Piper. Next well, week. then oh, I will hold my insults for another time. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> just joking. I'm just joking. I was going to say, you know, I, I loved the thumb to the face today, even though it yeah. looked like it might have connected a little bit. But I, I, I loved a little tribute to her fall. I thought that was really cool. Uh, ODB, Jazz, and then we yeah. had Mercedes Martinez. Uh, she got the Joker, so she was the one that was going to be last. My pick was Awesome Kong. 
You forgot about Brandy. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into that. We had uh, Awesome Kong, Brandy Rose, Jazz, and ODB. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I thought Awesome Kong going into the live TV, and then my reminding myself of the first millennial, you know, uh, wrestling company TV. Let's throw the trans transgender person and get a little controversy. Could you just see the organizations online that, you know, everybody is accept? I'm not saying that transgender. The whole fight with everybody ganging up on Nyla Rose and kicking the shit out of her. Like when the bell rang, everybody ran over to kick the shit out of Nyla Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did I mention Emma? I might've left Emma out as well. Tennille Dashwood. I might've yeah. left her out as well. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't a bad match. I actually, I'm not going to lie. I think Nyla Rose is talented. I think, you know, there's definitely... I think her ring gear needs to be changed up a little bit. I didn't think it was very flattering to see her stomach hanging out the entire time. Look, even if it was a dude and the dude was wearing something similar to that, I think that was unflattering. Yeah. Know, yeah, no, I, I hear you. But, um, you know, when... It was funny because Awesome Kong got eliminated, and I actually saw people in the chat saying, wait a minute, I think you even said it too, like, wait, how did she get eliminated? Like, I totally fucking missed it. I was like, what What happened? It, it was so, like, nonchalant, like, oh, she got eliminated. I, I don't know, man. I mean, I I like the the big woman versus small woman storyline, and we'll get to the, the other part of that a little bit later. But I thought Awesome Kong going into the first live TV, especially when you did that interview with the Friends, you know, esque pictorial, you kind of like have her representing on TV. But uh, they had, uh, you know, <laughs> they had uh, their decision that they were going to put Nyla Rose as the winner. You know, the interesting thing, I think the biggest thing about the match was the fact of the names that they didn't really reveal. It was nice to see Emma out there or Tennille Dashwood out there. Mm. I, I totally marked out that. I loved seeing Mercedes Martinez out there. I thought she kind of got eliminated pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, as the Joker, I think, if anything, you should have made her once again at the very end of that, not Britt Baker. But I don't know if Doctor there was Britt behind Baker. it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he got it, doctor. <laughs> and fucking, uh, who was it? Uh, I keep forgetting her name. The one that was walking on the outside with the books. Oh, uh, oh my god! I saw that in a bit. That was that so. Was- you, let me let me explain something. I've been a wrestling fan since 1979. Since I was a little kid. Uh, Blue pants. Yeah, just yeah. yeah. And the thing is, this when I watch wrestling for this many years, I think I have a right to nitpick now, and. There were a few things tonight that really, really annoyed me. This was one of them. What Before she started walking on the books, she is upside down with her feet leaning against the top rope. And you have a bunch of Polacks in the ring fighting. And meanwhile, this girl is upside down leaning against the rope that all you got to do in storyline is just push her backwards. And that's it. She's eliminated. And they choose to just ignore it. That's just moronic territory. And then she's walking on books. First of all, 
let me just tell you stupidity with that. You know, you're saying, oh, the feet have to touch the floor. Well, if you're wearing... Why don't you just lay down newspaper like a dog? <laughs> exactly. And not only that, you have fucking socks and shoes on. Your right. feet are being protected by fucking leather and and whatever. And what's the difference between... A, oh, because it's not attached the to the foot? The floor is lava, DT. The floor is lava. Oh, that's fucking... I, when, they, when she's upside down just standing there, and standing there and standing there upside down and these women are just walking by like hey, do you smell something like just like ignoring it i was like get the fuck out of here those are things like that you need to fucking get rid of that's garbage and look yeah that's that comedy shit is what it was it was a t it was an attempt to be comedic mm -hmm. in a match that really didn't need it i mean this the casino battle royal itself i actually kind of like the idea yes I have nothing wrong with the casino layout. I thought it was kind of unique. Um, wouldn't mind seeing it again. Four yes. at a time. That was perfectly cool. I thought, okay, that's a different take on it. Mm. It speeds shit up, but at the same time, eh, it changes up the, the, the uniform format. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, but the comedic stuff didn't have a place for it. I think more than anything, this match was showcasing some of the better women's wrestlers over, over the years and some of the newer rookies at right. the exact same time mm -hmm. seeing jazz come out there was fucking cool as shit seeing odb come out of her hiding was cool as shit seeing kong out there was cool as shit i had no problem with seeing some of these girls out there i was like holy shit this is actually a lot of fun to watch and there was some good back and forth i thought the standoff was a little hokey for a minute there they had like kong rose odb and uh mm -hmm. who was the yeah, jazz and jazz was the fourth one yeah. And they all kind of just stood there for a minute, and it was like this weird four-way face-off, and nobody did anything. <laughs> Somebody interrupted. I was like, oh, just, just fucking clobber each other. What the hell are you guys waiting for? Yeah. So, but, I mean, for the most part, I thought it was a nice little showcase. It was fun to watch, and that's what it was supposed to be. It didn't need the, the, the comic shit. No. And Brandy, I was so happy to watch Brandy get chucked up <laughs> Right on her ice skates. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll talk about her later on when she came out with Cody. Uh, yeah, we'll talk. You know what? I got to say this right at the beginning. I got to give major fucking props to AEW for something. Something that I don't know if anybody noticed tonight, but I talked about it on Breakfast of Blossy this week. One thing that I wanted more than anything else tonight, and it, I feel like I got it. They stood away from the cheap shots and the digs towards WWE. If, if, if you really look at tonight's pay-per-view from beginning to end, were there really any moments? I mean, look at the last pay-per-view to this one, and it, it, it was a completely different vibe. You would yes. have never thought that WWE was still in business if you watched this. If you never saw wrestling before in your life and watched that, you would never know that WWE was in business. I thought that... I really enjoyed that, yes. That is right. something, AEW, I don't know if anybody ever listens to this, but th th that is something they need to keep doing. Have, have people watch because you're fucking great. Not You want to... Sometimes no. when you own people, you own people by not saying their fucking mouth. It's different because WWE over the years would ignore WCW and ignore TNA and ignore other feds. You know, they just, you know, their nose was too high up in the air. In this case, you know, I've been using the poke the bear reference for quite some time. 
And whether they poke the bear or they don't poke the bear, if you leave raw meat out on your fucking table and you live in the forest, that bear is coming to attack you no matter what. Oh, for sure. So here's the interesting thing about it, though, too. In the vignettes, there were some AEW shots. Obviously, they reminisced over Cody smashing Triple H's chair. And uh, Sean Kenter in the chat room even said, you know, during the StarCast weekend, they took plenty. Oh, well, it's that StarCast. Yeah, well, we expected that. I know, but I mean, I'm just still saying that while it was very nice, and I totally fucking agree with you a thousand percent, it was great that they left it off the show. And they let the show and the performers and the matches speak the volumes as opposed to like us because we're not WWE. Right. I thought that was fantastic. Yes. But let's not pretend that they haven't forgotten all of their dislikes. Oh, sure. This is just one event. We don't right. we don't know what's good what's down the pipe. But um for tonight, I thought that was a big deal that they eliminated all of the fucking references. Now, as far as StarCast goes, look, I have been fucking saying for 17 years how god-awful of a troll this Mike Johnson is. I've had personal experience with him. I could fucking tell stories about shit with him over the years. The guy is just... It's not just, you know, the tactics, but he's just not aesthetically, like, nice to look at. And well, I don't really I, care about that. It was, look, in, the Mike Johnson. Look, in 2002, I'm not, I don't mean to interrupt you, but in 2002, uh, he was given hand jobs, verbal hand jobs under the oh. table to Court Bauer. He was given verbal hand jobs. learn something new about Mike Johnson. He was given verbal hand jobs under the table to Court Bauer in 2002. All right, this motherfucker, as soon as I heard that CM Punk hand-selected him, some people said to me, are you just jealous? I don't fucking interview people. Why would I be jealous? I don't fucking interview people. But the minute I heard he hand-selected them and Starcare says, okay, it's like, okay, here comes the fucking hand jobs under the table, softball shit, you know, and this was all done so Mike could have a second orgasm, the first one being ECW one night stand when he hugged Joey Styles, the hug that a lot of people did not see. Um, he got a second orgasm. He, he got, this was the verbal purge and the revenge on Triple H embarrassing him. And this was for a lot of people that don't like WWE. But as far as AEW tonight, I thought they did good by not bringing it up. Right. But um, what were you saying about Mike Johnson? No, the the Mike Johnson stuff, obviously for a lot of people that had the opportunity to watch the CM Punk interview uh, that happened today during StarCast. During the StarCast weekend, you got a portion of it. Uh, if you purchase the actual punk interview, you got the full interview. <laughs> Mike, Mike softball, soft hands, Johnson, that guy threw out so many lobbed questions. It was ridiculously bad. I mean, ridiculously bad. Let's first paint the picture, though. And I know we're kind of going off the AEW. Oh, uh, please don't put him in the chat room. I, t- I got cramps from my fucking gallbladder oh. surgery still. I'm going to take a shit right on the fucking floor over here like my old dog. Yeah, he was uh, he was a little rough. So most of his questions to CM Punk, if you were interested in the interview, um, were about movies and, and Marvel and comic books. I would like to say that there was at least 20 or so questions easy 
asked about CM Punk and movies and stuff like that. A lot of the other interview was CM Punk retelling stuff that we heard of during the Colt Cabana podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of little pieces of stories here and there that weren't, they, they just weren't very interesting. He had a good Harley Ray story. He had a good Tony Atlas story. That was nice. Hmm. Um, but for the most part, it was so generic. This is the kind of interview you would expect him to give on terrestrial radio, not at a place where he's getting paid uh, allegedly 75K to for his appearance, plus people actually showing up and spending upwards to over $200 just to be there. Um, The audio, first off, the audio was fucked. Not even a little bit, a lot of it. It was fucked. They lowered the pitch. CM Punk supposedly sounded like I sound every day. His voice was much deeper. I'm CM Punk, and now I'm sounding like this throughout the entire interview. Same with Mike Johnson. Um, I went back and I fixed it and the pitch was at about 1.2 to 1.5 below his actual speech decibels below. Uh, other than that, the video was bad. The white balance was off. So when you're watching it, it was almost like you were watching it through a haze. (laughs) The entire interview was done in like a fog. And so the white balance was off. The actual, uh, contrast and the exposure were completely off. It was still high quality, but everything had like a gray film over it. And you could tell that whoever set this up, either they didn't have enough lights at the actual interview, like where they were actually establishing Hoffman Estates. I don't know if there was like not enough lighting. Or, or maybe Mike Johnson, they realized under the lights looks like a fucking frozen turkey when it's defrosting on your fucking stove oh. after two hours. You know, it's just like, okay, yeah. we need to block off some of this fucking aesthetic. You know? His questions were so bad. Like the one question, the one question that he asked outright that me and the entire chat room kind of erupted for because it was the first question that Mike actually asked that we were like, oh, wow, that's that's a fucking hard question. Mike Johnson openly asked CM Punk, what makes you happy? And at that point, he should have just shut the fuck up. And let CM Punk mull that over. But what fucking Mike Johnson, Mike Soft Hands Johnson does is he qualifies the question for fucking two minutes so that CM Punk doesn't have to answer anything outside of his comfort zone. There were a lot of questions not asked. Nothing about MMA, nothing about talent, nothing about what he thinks about AEW or WWE, nothing about the current status of these companies, nothing about uh, uh, how he's been handled since UFC, like nothing that you would want to know, you know, like nothing, nothing that, that, you know, I'm going to shit my pants. I'm going to shit my pants. I'm getting a stomach ache. Okay. (laughs) No, he's just God awful, man. It was horrible, dude. And that's all I'm saying is look, if you spent your money on it, let me give you a tip. Get a refund. Can you get a refund? Are they really giving out refunds? Why? Why are they doing that? Because it was that bad. When I say the audio and the video is fucked up, DT, I'm not lying. Wow. The audio and the video was completely fucked up. We had about 50 people in the chat room Mm. or whatever listening. It was fucked up. Well, and, and, you know, I, I get a kick out of everybody. Oh, my God, CM Punk's in Chicago. You know what that means? AEW's in Chicago. You know what that means? No. 
No, I have people tonight. Oh, do you think he's going to show up? When do you no, give up? A lot of people thought he was going to show up. Scott Hudson openly says, well, that's the guy who will never wrestle again. You know, like that, that's how he wrapped <laughs> up the CM Punk interview. I'm so glad I didn't Johnson know. let him go, you know. But you know what? I got a legit question. Legit question. Everybody that was there were there because of wrestling, AEW, for the most sure. part. Okay. Now, if CM Punk is has no interest in returning to wrestling and does not want to get involved with wrestling, why take money from wrestling fans? You understand? I mean, if look, I, 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 I it's not wrestling fans. It's Conrad with a big wallet that probably kept pestering him over and over and over again. No, 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 I don't. I'm just, yeah, I I get it. I'm just, I'm not, and I'm not defending Conrad or Chris. I'm just saying like, like, why do you keep going back and doing interviews at wrestling related events if you have no interest in returning to wrestling, like you can't have it both ways. It's like Allegedly. you know what it, you know what it's like. I, you know, let me tell you what it's like. Yeah, okay. You break up with you with your fucking wife. You get divorced, and you fucking you're gonna move on to another relationship, and now you fucking marry a new person, and then you turn around and you keep going back and thinking that you could bang your ex simply because your ex wants to be banged. Well, here's the difference. Is she paying me $75,000 a bang? Because if, if she's paying me... I wouldn't cheat on my girl no matter what. A bang, I'm going to at least tell my new wife, can you match the offer? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think people should be... I th- Look, I, I think people should be mad. They shouldn't be mad at Mike Johnson. And I know that sounds a little odd for me saying this, but I have been criticizing Mike Johnson for 17 years. Unfortunately for a lot of people, they're only finding out about him now for the first time. Kind of like funny when Bruce Mitchell calls himself the longest running podcaster wow. online. I, I, yeah. I, I let just to show you how bad this is. I let it, I revealed something on Breakfast of Blasi that no one ever thought about this way. Let it sink in. Next year, between the hotline and the podcast, the webcast that, that I used to I used to call a webcast, between the hotline and the webcast, do you know next year I will be entering my fourth decade doing this? Fourth decade, really? Think about that. The 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and now 2020s. Oh, shit. Fourth damn, fucking decade. Right? And, and, you know, like I said on Breakfast with Blasi, I wasn't even going to uh, address Bruce Mitchell, but this is where I love Wayback Machine. You go back on Wayback Machine in 2000, and what do you see? Me uploading my hotline reports online. I was calling it webcast. Yeah. 2000. 2000. But anyway, um, want to get back to the pay-per-view? Yeah, no, sure. I just wanted to just preface everything about the CM Punk stuff. Look, and I, you, you know, ninety percent of the people that went to Starcast were there to see the CM Punk interview. Let's let's not kid ourselves. CM Punk was the biggest draw of that entire weekend, guaranteed. It oh, wasn't yeah. Colt Cabana's show. It wasn't uh, as much as I like MJF. It wasn't lifestyles of the rich and famous with MJF. Well, you know what? You know? I'm going to play devil's advocate now. I'm going to defend. The whole CM Punk appearance. I'm going to defend it. This is how I'm going to defend it. Mish, you are a big on comics. 
who is a legendary actor that you loved growing up that is still alive that you would love to see up in person or meet anybody? Well, I would have said Lou Ferrigno. All right, Lou, all right, Lou Ferrigno. Now, <laughs> if Lou Ferrigno is going to appear in your area next week and you pay to see him and he's there and he is just talking about Schwarzenegger, Incredible Hulk, all his stuff throughout his life, and he's saying the same things that we already heard 150 times, but because you really wanted to get the opportunity to see him live and in person. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, no, that's not how they prefaced it. See, you, you would be right if Conrad and the rest of them didn't market it as, here's the truth untold. They had CM Punk advertising that said that he was going to drop oh, new information okay. and new pipe bombs. Like, this was supposed to be the interview you can't miss. Uh, and it was bullshit. Okay. There was nothing to it. It was very off the cuff. Mike Johnson was not prepared. If he was prepared, he could have fucking fooled me. He didn't have any notes that he was going to. He did. Uh, look, we were even joking about other people <laughs> that could do this interview better. Like Rob Feinstein and his billion and one questions would have given us a much better interview than Mike Johnson did. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I look, as soon as I heard that they said CM Punk handpicked Mike Johnson, there's a reason behind that. It's not like, you know, you're going into the Hall of Fame and you pick, like, somebody you idolized growing up to induct you. You know, it's not like you fucking, you get to, to no, he picked that person for two reasons. One, because he's notorious for giving ha verbal hand jobs under the table. And number oh. two, after being totally disrespected in their eyes by Triple H. Those are the only two reasons. I mean, if, if Mike Johnson was such a great fucking interview catch, then why hasn't he done all these fucking other events in, in past years? He fucking, yeah, he, he runs bus trips. And just like I did, I mean, it's, you know, I ran bus trips too, but, uh, yeah, you but know. I bet your bus trips were a lot much. Uh, hey, lot you know what? My bus trips introduced where wrestlers actually were guests on the bus. I was the first one to do that. A lot of people don't know. There's a lot of things people don't know, but don't know. And there was other shit about the CM Punk interview that I really don't want to get into. But it's just it's it's worth the time to listen to it once, but don't go into it thinking that you're really going to be entertained because mm. it was very generic. Okay, you know. Um, but yeah, speaking <laughs> of though, going back to AEW, uh, obviously the next match on the card we had was uh, was a private party with Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. Uh, versus Angelico and Jack Evans in a tag team match. Now, everybody was joking, saying this is uh, the Street Profits, private party of the Street Profits. <laughs> there was a difference, though. Yeah. There was a slight difference. <laughs> you may have missed it, but yeah. I think some people caught it. The slight difference being is they wear blue. They wear blue. Yeah, and the Street Profits wear red. Um, <laughs> look, they're not bad. They're, you know... It, the match is what it is. I mean, look, the Street Profits are over. The right. private party uh, seem to be over. Um, there's been a lot of tag teams in the past. You know, it's funny. You know, back in the 90s, it would be Colt 45s. You know, now the drink choice is different. But the funny thing is, 10 years from now, 
you know, those same people look back at it and say, wow, what a stereotypical racist gimmick. You know, how, you know, having them like with the cups and this, uh, and I'm just saying how ridiculous it is because you look back, oh, look at crime time. Crime time was incredibly racist and all this, uh, the fuck out of here. It's a good gimmick. It's fun. The match wasn't bad. Jack Evans doing what Jack Evans does. And that is, you know, putting his himself, bef- you know, before the match a lot of times, you know, trying well, to show the sky kick break dance thing that he does. I I remember going to fucking indie shows and seeing Jack Evans and Teddy Hart. This is way, way, way before. And they would have matches against each other. And, you know, just think Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers tonight, but 10 times worse in the sense of Jack Evans and Teddy Hart more concerned about getting themselves over than getting the match and entertaining the fans over. You know what I mean? It was just like, and people will understand what I mean later because look, Teddy Hart is awesome now. Jack Evans is much better. You know, he's a veteran, which is kind of still odd to say, but uh, Private Party actually gets the win over Angelico and Jack Evans. 11 minutes. Look, I mean, it was definitely a, a fast-paced match. Uh, they made it very clear that it was dubstep versus hip-hop. Yes. You know, which was kind of funny and stuff like that. It was a really good match, though. A lot of fast spots. A lot of good reversals. This is what you would expect on a good 205 live match. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys all performed very well. Uh, and I was okay with it. I was okay with the uh, with Private Party winning. Uh, nobody was shocked, however, at the end of the match when Angelico and Jack Evans attacked private party from behind yeah that was was like all right guys come on they did the little handshake thing and i was like oh they don't seem too pleased are they gonna hit him from behind (laughs) no Uh, overall the match was good it was a nice way it was the second pre-show match it was the last pre-show match i should say so it was a good way to introduce and get the crowd riled up for the actual show right and now the crowd crowd is all riled up they're excited AEW all out is about to begin and we get SoCal versus who I uh, coined Luchasaurus, Orphanosaurus, and Midgesaurus. You ha- or- Orphanosaurus meaning Jungle Boy because he's now an orphan. Marco Stunt, my dick I think is bigger than him. And Luchasaurus. Look, I- I'm not going to criticize Marco Stunt because I used to enjoy Spike Dudley and I used to enjoy others. But people. Spike Dudley weighed more than him. Spike Dudley was. I looked it up. I think he was like 119 pounds. Well, that's what I was going to say. Spike Dudley, there's a big difference between Spike Dudley and Marco Stunt. If anybody looks at Spike Dudley back in the day, especially in ECW, Spike Dudley would get one or two moves in, but he would get destroyed. And when he got destroyed, he would get more over, and then he would team up with maybe like a different partner, like a Balls Mahoney or someone else, and they actually would get victories. The worst thing that WWE ever did was give Spike Dudley, I think, the Cruiserweight Championship or something, because now all of a sudden he wouldn't lose, and it's like, wait, this just doesn't fit it. Marco Stunt. They started that. They started the Spike Dudley shit when him and Molly Holly were falling in love. Remember that? Yes, sure. Hollies versus the Dudleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Mark, Marco Stunt gets too much offense in on Daniels and Kazarian. Too much. It's not believable. It's not. It's just, I, I didn't like it at all. The match was okay. 
Um, SCU is great. I mean, Kazarian and Daniels are veterans. Scorpio Sky is great as well. Uh, Luchasaurus, you know, Luchasaurus is is decent too, but, you know, SCU getting the win in the end and, uh, you know, after the match, showing a little respect to these people. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, look, Jungle Boy definitely has talent. He still has a long way to go. I'm sorry I'm not like other people that are going to gush over him simply because his father died. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, look, you know, I'm going to judge him based on his current in-ring work, and he's good. He's talent. He's talent, but he still has a way to go. Um, and to, to team him up with this fucking Marco stunt, I don't know what... I don't know what AEW thinks they're getting from this. I, I mean, if you're going to use him where in, you know... You know, they got rid of they got rid of oily Japanese guy and no leg guy. Marco Stunt should have went out with the fucking baby with the bathwater. You know, I understand that the guy is talented and he can do a lot of little spots that other people can't do. I guess when you weigh the same amount as a as a feather, perhaps that's why he's uh, he's so impressive to people. But the guy weighs 102 pounds. They, yeah. they weighed him yeah. in over the weekend. And people are like, oh, that's kayfabe. That's kayfabe. He weighs much more than that. <laughs> And I died laughing. <laughs> I mean, I'm did, like, really much more? How much more can you possibly imagine that Marco Stunt actually weighs? You know what? 105 just, pounds? Just think about this. Daniels used to fight for the TNA Heavyweight Championship. Sure. All right. WWE has 205 Live for guys that are probably a little bit too small to be fighting for Heavyweight Championship. This guy would not even qualify for 105 Live. Right. It's just too much offense, too much fucking offense. Yeah, no, he's supposed to be, if anything, you would use him the same way that like Big Show used to use Spike Dudley, mm-hmm. like a master blaster thing. Like people back in the days of, of, of Big Show and Spike, I forgot what the fuck their tag team name was too. They had like a, a clever name for them, but um, Big Show would put Spike Dudley on his shoulders and then you like climb up to the second rope or something like that or stand on the first rope. And then Spike Dudley would jump off of him mm-hmm. or Big Show would pick up Spike Dudley and throw him. That's what Marco Stunt should be. Marco Stunt should be on like Luchasaurus's shoulders and Luchasaurus should throw him off or, you know, have him jump off or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he should almost be a gimmick in himself as opposed to being a guy who's expected to toe off against somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Who, what was the dog's name in the Tom and Jerry cartoon? Spike? Like, yeah, you can if you insist on doing comedy, you could have uh, Marco stunt be Jerry Mouse. And every time like he instigates, he hides behind Spike, meaning like, you know, like Luchasaurus is someone else. You know, like he's just too small, just too much offense. I mean, I just, you know, last time you gave us no leg person. Now you give someone with no weight person and just no, no, sorry, no. Didn't that was did not like it. I'm not putting too much heat on him. It wasn't you know my worst favorite match of the night. But I'm not a big SCU fan, and I was perfectly fine with them winning. It made sense. Mm-hmm. If they would have lost tonight, that would have just been odd. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So next the first we, match for what it was. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next we had uh, a lot of people thought it was very early in the card. Kenny Omega versus Pac. Pack, pack, you know, not to be misconstrued with hack. They used to uh, wrestle in WCW, the Sandman, Kenny Omega versus Pack. 
attack. You know, it's it's weird. I think the reason that they put it so early on the card is because this was supposed to be the match with Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. Mm-hmm. Obviously, John Moxley is out due to injury, so Pack was told to fill in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the interesting thing was is the fact that Pack. I just can't. I hate saying it. Let's just Pac. call him Pac. Pac. Okay, Pac. Pac. Let's just call him Pac. I'll just start calling him Neville just to really piss the off. The bastard Pac. Yes. So Pac defeats Omega from referee stoppage, which was actually kind of cool because I don't think anybody really expected Pac to win. You know, because he really felt like the long shot. He, was, he wasn't supposed to be in the match. And he wasn't, I, I don't really look at him in the same level as Omega. I think he's a good wrestler and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But especially with the way that they've been heralding Omega and AEW, eh, Pac isn't on that level. He's mm. just not. I'm sorry. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler. I'm not saying that he doesn't have talent. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have the opportunity to go up the card. Okay. I'm just saying from the current vision of what they have with Omega and Pac, you would have expected Omega to have won this match. But lo and behold, the surprise was more interesting than what we believed it to be. Right. The match was fantastic, what you would expect. And the fact that Pac won, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do now for me. Well, now it's really interesting because when Moxley comes back, now you have Pac in the mix. Yeah, but I felt that if you were going to have Pac win, you'd, you'd do it in... I don't want to say in a not a clear cut way. Like I don't want. I wouldn't have gone with a DQ, obviously. But the idea that the referee called for the bell, that that was the referee's call, and that Kenny Omega was not pinned, nor did he did, nor did he submit. This was a referee call. You don't lose any luster on Kenny Omega. Like he loses no stock because of this. Just like I'm not comparing this match to Austin versus Bret Hart, but when Steve Austin passed out from the pain in the WrestleMania match, you know, you Austin gained, lost no stock in that match. Tough yeah. son of a bitch fucking passed out from the pain. Kenny Omega passed out from the pain. Referee calls for the bell. Omega never pinned, was never... But it reminds me of... See, that's why it's it's odd, because you're saying that it doesn't. But that finish was very reminiscent of, like, the Million Dollar Dream, where every single opponent that he had, he would knock them the fuck out with the Million Dollar Dream. Yeah, but Pac didn't hit a move to hinder someone unconscious, in the sense that, like, with the Million Dollar Dream... The idea of hitting that move was the same as Sergeant Slaughter's Colbert Clutch. Sergeant Slaughter's Colbert Clutch was supposed to almost like make you incoherent and almost out of it. Or a sleeper hold. Sleeper hold is even better example. The idea is it would put you to sleep. Pac, basically, it's not like he had a, a finisher where people repeatedly are knocked out from it. It was just Kenny Omega just... Put it this way, this was the referee's call, and you could turn around and use the storyline like the referee uh, rushed to make the call, that maybe Omega could have still continued. You know, I I don't know, but I don't think this hurts Kenny Omega in any way. I don't know. I just think that the whole passing out, and and shout out to Antox. He's like, you know, even to be more recent, Owens and Zayn from TakeOver rivals back in February of 2015. Mm. Perfect example. I just don't look at passing out as 
being something that you don't lose face on. If right. anything, it's kind of like, that's the ultimate. I understand that that means you're a tough son of a bitch, but you lost because you couldn't take the pain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's ultimately the the story that you're telling there. Yeah, you're a badass. You took it. You're not dead, but you lost because you couldn't take the pain because your yeah. body told you no. Yeah. You know? My body, my, my, no, that's, what was that hip hop song? My mind says no, but my body, my Maybe body says, was it? <laughs> I was R. Was R. Kelly, right? My body, my body says yes. <laughs> I fucking hated that song. Oh my God. Holy oh, shit. my When mind. you can drop an R. Kelly reference in the middle of a post show, you know it was a good time. Hey, I'm hip. I'm hip. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I was telling people go check out Video Music Box on yeah. YouTube. People want to go back and see what Don Tony used to love to listen to in the 80s. Oh. Uh, next, <laughs> crazy fucking match. Not necessarily blood and guts, but we had Jimmy Havoc uh, defeat Joey Janela and Darby Allin, All In, or Allin, as some people like to use, in a Cracker Barrel match. Um, Cracker Barrel must be dropping serious fucking coin or free meals to AEW because we had fucking visuals of chicken dinners. Yeah. We had a barrel shot. <laughs> pictures in the middle of the match. Oh, that's food look like. <laughs> I, I uh, look that was corny as fuck. I understand that they want to have Cracker Barrel, Barrel sponsor a match, and that's cool. I'm okay with that. And I even enjoyed the fact that they had the biscuits <laughs> and and the giant barrels on the outside. I thought that was really cool, too. Now, but the fact that the announcers had to drop Cracker oh, Barrel every 60 seconds oh was kind of Oh, my insane. God. You know, to, to me, you know, it's like if this was ECW, and this was Tommy Dreamer, he would have taken the plate of the chicken and the biscuits and the gravy, put it in the middle of the ring, and pile-drive Raven right on top of it. He did it on the fucking cherry pies and other stuff. They could have utilized, I think, the food and maybe, you know, break the plates over people's heads and stuff like that. But, you know, the the -the over-the-top Cracker Barrel reference, like, I know they're plugging it, but if I was Cracker Barrel, like... I'm, I don't know if they understand this. Now, look, thank God there ain't no Cracker Barrels where I live over here. There's a lot of crackers, but there's no Cracker Barrels. Um, but I, I'll say this. There's a lot of people tonight that actually say, you know what? I, I After watching this match, I don't want to fucking hear Cracker Barrel for the next month. It was just over the top. But the match oh, yeah. itself... The match was fucking fantastic. It, I was... I was very impressed with this match. It was I, I awesome. Um, but those three guys did a great job. I mean, at first it started off really corny with them tying up Jimmy Havoc <laughs> in the corner with tape. And he but had thumbtacks like, inside his mouth. I'm like, that was at least pretty intelligent. I'm like, that was pretty cool. No. I'm like, if they were really smart, though, they'd have taken some of those Cracker Barrel biscuits and shoved a bunch of them. Oh, no. You know what I would have done? I would have been like a bad cartoon. You put the thumb t- when they put the thumbtacks in his mouth, I would have taped his mouth closed and like a bad cartoon, I would have started tickling him. Because if you remember, the t- you would start tickling under his underarm, stuff like that. And he goes, 
that kind of changes it from a wrestling match to a different. Oh kind of man, match. yeah, but with the Krakabow references, that would have been so fucking funny. But you know, it's just, this is really my spots mind. in this match. A lot of yeah. high flying. You know, yeah. not as much blood as people expected. Uh, I liked the uh, skateboard spot with the tax on the bottom of it. I thought yeah. that was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen this. Well, you know what? Um, if you. Few people pointed this out today, and uh, you know a lot of people. I'm surprised the announcers didn't bring this up. Uh, that skateboard might have been truly symbolic because I believe today was the 20th anniversary of Tony Hawk. Yeah, I heard about that too. That was the gaming thing, but still, it was a it was a good spot. I, I enjoyed it. I yeah, thought cool. I thought it was a great match. I mean, it, it, you didn't need blood, and it was very violent. It was hardcore, and you know what? It told the fucking story. It told oh, yeah. the story that they wanted to kill each other. And yeah. when we get to the Young Bucks match, some people out there may not like what I have to say about that match, but this match, they fucking put it all out there. And that spot with Darby fucking going backwards with the cracker barrel with the idea of fucking crushing his right. oh man that was fucking that was so risky and that just looked so painful but i it tell you fun. man a really fun match these guys and they didn't go overboard as far as like pulling out all the tables and ladders and chairs and got else i mean they had some interesting foreign objects yeah but for the most part, these guys just did a good job of telling a hardcore story. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this match. Definitely one of my favorite matches of the night. Yeah, I, I'll say this. You know, look, I'm not comparing myself to them, but people that's been following me for a long time remember that notorious spot where Louis Ramos laid about 5,000 thumbtacks on a table, laid me on the table, and then splashed me through the table. It's that's yeah. a lot of people don't understand, and there's video footage of this. You get splashed or slammed onto thumbtacks. You get that split second of pain, and then it, you, you adrenaline kicks in. You don't feel nothing. It, you actually feel great. You know when he put me on the table, I'm laying on thumbtacks. So imagine how much it hurts to be laying on thumbtacks trying to get up and you can't get up, and the next thing you know, there's three hundred and fucking. 30 pound guy splashes onto you. I had about 80 thumbtacks in my back, my neck, my ears, my head, and there's tons of photos of it. And when I see visuals up close and you see the blood coming out of his back and stuff, I loved it, man. I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And I think they should be, I know this is hardcore wrestling, but I thought they should be proud of that match today. I thought it was, it, some of it went a little way over the top. And I'm not even talking about Cracker Barrel, but I loved it. It was a good match. Let me ask you this, though. Sure. Were you a little surprised that Darby Allen didn't win? And the only reason I say that is because it wasn't that long ago that he had a tie match mm. with Cody. He went to the time with Cody. And I was very surprised that he didn't win this match. Now, I wanted Havoc to win. But I was really expecting Darby to win for this to kind of be, you know, his... His way to excel to the next level. I was very surprised that he didn't. Well, I'll tell you this. I thought Joey Janela was going to win. Very surprised Jimmy Havoc won. But something that I noticed today, too, that I don't like. I noticed the commentators, Goldenboy and Excalibur especially, reminding us of people's records in AEW. 
And if anybody goes back and watches that event, you'll hear them say, this person is now one and one, or this person uh, is one and all, oh, or this person hasn't won an AEW yet. And I'm saying to myself, baseball commentators after two games of a brand new season don't fucking say that, oh, this team is undefeated or this team is on a losing streak. It's the beginning of the fucking season. And the fact that they're going out of their way to talk about how someone is 0-1 trying to have a better record. I even think he said it early with Omega too. Like, people don't like Triple H with the 50-50 booking. And I'm wondering if to try to make everybody come across as so even that they're doing their own little bit of 50-50 booking over here. Like, you, I agree with you that, you know, Darby getting this win would have been a nice momentum uh, going, but well, as we... Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, as we get in later with the Cody-Sean Spears match, you know, that match could have gone either way, but when you... Look, you said about Pac. Pac. Um, you feel that... Kenny Omega's momentum stopped. I feel that Sean Spears' momentum stopped because of tonight. And it feels yeah. like Darby All In's momentum stopped after right. tonight. And it almost there feels was like a lot of that tonight. You're right. There was yeah. a lot of weird, like you're not expecting this to happen because it's like, well, you guys are trying to build these shows up. You're trying to establish a roster. Before you even get to television, how are you going to do that when the people that you've kind of been building up over the last few months are now the ones that are being kind of pushed down? Right. And I don't know right. if that's to build an equal an equal playing field, oh, or that's a big there's mistake. some other kind of. That's, I don't know if there's some other kind of reason. That's a big mistake. Now. That's a big mistake. See, like Jeff points out, yes, they did have the their win loss record on the on the bottom, but right. it, yeah. there's a difference. There's a difference between showing it on screen and commentators talking about it, trying to push a certain direction in a match. There's a totally different vibe to that. And when you have a stat on paper, you know, it's a stat on paper. There's no emotion behind it. But when the wrestlers or the commentators are trying to portray this in a way that kind of leads you in a direction like, Okay, well, well, maybe Sean Spears isn't gonna fucking go on this streak of you know dominance because of what he's doing, and you know maybe right. Cody's gonna get his win, or you kind of feel like okay, Kenny Omega. It's just I don't, I don't think I think the idea of emphasizing so much on people's records is ridiculous, and and for the simple reason that we know that this is entertainment. All right. yes. I know for some whack jobs out there that say uh, that WWE's entertainment, but this is not. No. Ring yeah, of Honor. WWE's records have been so marred over the years. And considering how many house shows they have and considering main events and all these other things, it would be almost an impossible feat. Mm, yes. And not run a record in WWE. And not only that, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, New Japan. Impact Wrestling, AEW, as long as the outcomes are predetermined, you are a form of entertainment. There's, it's, you are a form of entertainment. You, you have a predetermined outcome that makes you entertainment. All right. When a sport, you do not know what the outcome is going to be. 
because the people involved, it's not predetermined who wins and who loses. They are entertainment. And the thing is, is that certain people are going to get elevated naturally. There's certain people who are going to get de-elevated naturally. You look at WWE and you look at Kofi and look at others. Some people go on winning streaks based on the the, the way the receptive, how they re, the crowd is receptive to them and the crowd pushes a certain agenda. Sometimes the crowd breaks through and that's how Daniel Bryan won the heavyweight title way back when. And the crowd breaks through and you know, Kofi goes to Mania, wins the belt. Sometimes the crowd determines who has the big winning streak. And if they're going to keep throwing these, you know, curveballs like, you know, wow, you know, why did this person win? Or why? And then you look at after two months and you see almost everybody having a, a 50, you know, 500 winning percentage. Now it's like, okay, you know, it just... I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, no, I agree, the machine, the engine is not broken. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just make the wheel better, you know, but eh. Well, that's it, what they're trying to do is, I, I, well, I mean, this goes back to what we originally opened the show with. It's a millennial company. Yeah. And millennial companies, or in this case, in order for them to establish themselves as the new millennial company, they have to establish themselves as being the first in a lot of things that no other promotion is. Mm. And this is one of those things, taking records, taking win-loss records seriously. Right. And that's one of their directions. Right. But they can't just keep trying to make it an even playing field because it's just not the case. Um, I but- can't wait till the day that they have a storyline where their computers deleted all their records. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody hacked it. Somebody, somebody hacked the AEW supercomputer. <laughs> oh, now, now Marco Stunt is ninety-five and three. <laughs> oh man, that's horrible. No. Oh, shit. Next, we had best friends of Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta versus the Dark Order of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson with the Creepers, and the winner gets the first round bye in the AEW Tag Title Tournament. What'd you first think of this match? First round bye? I was saying fucking bye during this match. Holy shit. Yeah, this match never clicked this was, for me. This was Noah's wino. This was bad with the little fucking Dom boys on the outside oh, crawling. <laughs> master, I just want to lick your toes, Master. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I, I honestly so thought some of them were from Podcast game. Row. I thought some of them were from Podcast Row. They're like, look, are you comfortable with taking your shirt off? But but, but other than doing a, a podcast, I, 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 I sleep, but I don't work out. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Are you fine? You, you don't have to reveal your face. No one will ever know it's you. But, but but everybody knows about my Daffy Duck tattoo. That's that's okay. That's okay. It looked like they fucking pulled a couple of podcasters, you know, that are too embarrassed to put their you know current pictures on Twitter, and they That'd fucking they were creepers. Wouldn't that be great if it was like somebody somebody actually said that before you did? They said that it was Grimm's Toy Show under the mask. <laughs> you know, you never know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you never know. You never know. I mean, it, it could have very well have been, and I'm, I might not be way off on it. It could very well have been like some podcasters who paid premium money that weekend or gave a lot of AEW exposure 
the maybe the over the top whack job websites online and this was their thank you wow. and they like oh just God. put this mask on and be a creeper <laughs> put this mask on <laughs> well the doc ought to get it they are in the first round by blah very yeah, blah pretty much this this was at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. No pun intended with the Cracker Barrel matches, but yeah, this was definitely at the bottom for me. Yep. Uh, next, we had a women's match. Um, the winner faces Nyla Rose at the uh, first TV show for the to determine the first ever AEW Women's Champion. It was Raiho versus Hikaru Shida, and uh, they went out of their way to tell us tonight that not only was Raiho 98 pounds, but uh, what was that remark that Jim Ross said? Well, yeah, you did forget about the Orange Cassidy debut. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Talk about that. Fair. Yes, yes, that happened at the end. Some people think that's a steroid up solo monster, solo yeah, monster, but it's... Solo the- monster came out there with his hands in his pockets and just started flying around. Is that... I'm telling you, man, you take Sami Zayn and Orange Cassidy... I mean, Jason Solomonster and Joey Numbers for Halloween should dress up as those two guys. Oh, it, it, and you should, could go as Abyss. I mean, yeah. it, it's... it's the parks. Yeah. It sure. is creepy how much Orange Cassidy looks like Jason. Just yeah, like Sami Zayn. Without a point. Like, you really have to double take sometimes. Go, Are you sure that's not Jason? <laughs> no, it's not Jason. <laughs> well, basically... You had um, him come to the rescue of the best friends. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's doing dives with his hands in his pockets and, you know, just acting like, you know, his shit doesn't stink, which is the right way to go with it. And then he revealed that, you know, he's one of their friends, too. I don't know if that'll remain that way for a long time, but, um, you know, he made the save. And, you know, I guess they're going to be a trios for the TV. Maybe. Maybe. What do you it think of them? They're a little more free-flowing with the tag teams. Tag teams don't feel like it's just two in right. AEW. It's like it's three. So. Well, kind of four if when we get into well, something a little bit later. Maybe eight if you're talking about the Dark Order, technically. Oh, yeah. Creepers. The, the Creepers. The Creepers. My God. We should just call them the podcasters. <laughs> Seriously. The podcasters were at ringside. They look like podcasters. Yeah, see, look. Look in the chat. Tell me that doesn't look like Jason. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what it is? It's the- funnier when you realize that the Jason pick was taken before the Orange Cassidy pick. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And you know what, um, Jason, if he did that picture again, but not as smiling, like more serious face, I think they'd look like twin brothers. Yeah, they, they really do. Yeah. They really do. So we have uh, Ryo, uh, Riho. I'm Riho. sorry, Riho. Yes, you know, Riho. Uh, she, uh, I think Jim Roy said that her heart is bigger than her waist. Oh, I laughed my ass That off. was great. I'm like, what? And he even caught himself, too. He's like, well, that's kind of disturbing, visually. He had some good ones today, and even a couple of expletives. Said, God damn it, a couple of times, and he even said, holy shit. I, I was, yeah. No, it was it was a decent match for what it was. I think a lot of the crowd was pretty bored off on this, though. Yeah. You could definitely tell that the Chicago audience was not into the Yoshi match. They just weren't. They no. didn't really care for the most part. And it's... 
it's a different style of wrestling. And another thing that I brought up too was I think that the ring is much bigger than the matches that they use overseas. And I don't know what the regulation is in Japan for the women's matches out there, but I'm pretty sure from watching all the women's matches in Japan that their ring looks a little bit smaller than what they were wrestling at here at uh, All Out. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that causes more of a problem. I imagine it does, especially when you figure out how small these girls actually are. Yeah. Especially when you saw them standing next to Nyla Rose. Jesus Christ. But, uh, yeah, I think that also adds to it. Uh, towards the end of the match, they were getting some good offense. I think the crowd started popping mm-hmm. once they were kind of working a lot closer together and doing less off the ropes and more submissions and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of nice and reversals, et cetera, et cetera. But is it, is uh, it Riho re- actually defeated. Is, huh? it, is it Riho that started Riho. wrestling at the age of nine? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. She's the one that uh, she's she's going to be their big star. She's going to be their big Joshi star. Yeah. So. Sheeta, you know, and Riho did a good match. Riho won. Um, and then Nyla Rose came out, which was just kind of creepy when you realize how big <laughs> Nyla is compared to these girls. Like, mm-hmm. I think Riho was, she weighed 98 pounds is what they said? Yes. So you're going to have a 98-pound woman versus Nyla Rose who weighs 200 and what? I don't know, two, 250 and in you know, something like transgender that. guy. Oh, Antox is saying two. Oh no, he's not sure. Okay. Yeah, she's two something. I would put her in around the two fifty area minimum. You know, she's awesome con category. Uh, you know, territory. They say one sixty nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who's saying one sixty nine? These are people. Look, they're just guessing. <laughs> just guessing. That's guessing. Um, Die! Fuck out of here. Yeah, she's she's big woman, big whatever you know. Yeah. I don't. I look. I don't. Has she like actually had the surgery yeah. and is now yeah. a wo- okay? They're so really so we one sixty nine uh, at five foot seven. There's no she's way that long. Nyla Rose is one sixty nine. No fucking. Way. I'm look. I, she's sleeping in the other room. My girl is one fifty two, and my girl looks like a twig next to her, and and my girl is shorter. You understand what I'm saying? Like, the, the only way that Nyla Rose is 169 if Nyla Rose was fucking shorter than Marco Stunt. Look, my woman's about the same height as Nyla Rose. That's not one. No, I'm, so I'm looking at the picture now. That's not ones. No, that's not ones. That's, 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 that's twos. Easy twos. No way. Well, you know what? When we see the first live show, you'll see, you know, a 98-pound wrestler versus Nyla Rose, and we'll see the disparity. Fair enough. I, I guess that's the best way to determine it. But yeah. anyway, she looks tremendously larger than Riho, like treme- night and day. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because you could kind of see the face that Riho made when she won the match. And oh, yeah, like licking the lips. Excited at first. And then when Nyla came out there, she's not like her facial expression was more like, oh, Fuck, I gotta I gotta wrestle that. But it wasn't like a wrestler's face where they're like, oh no, yeah. I have to wrestle that. Yeah. No, it was it was Riho the woman going, uh shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this little Japanese girl just fuck. God damn it. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I don't know how good this match is gonna be. I, I just 
you know, it's going to be an exhibition of Nyla Rose's dominance. That's yeah, what that's what it feels like. That's exactly what it feels like. Because that's what they did tonight during the Casino Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. They they proved that she could outlast everybody else. And this match with Riho is not going to be about Riho overcoming the giant. This one's going to be about establishing who the giant woman is in AEW. One thing I will tell you, not jumping ahead, but one thing I will tell you after watching AEW tonight, in my opinion, WWE far, far, far superior in women's wrestling. And the only reason why I say that is because when you look at the Jazz and the Mercedes Martinez and everything else, a lot of them look like rented talent. Well, they are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we don't know. These girls don't have long-term contracts. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, contracts, I would be far more interested in their division. Right. I'm not that interested in AEW's women's division. Unless I see under contract exclusive AEW, you get to just bring people to pay-per-views and an occasional TV as rented talent. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Don't get me wrong. You could do a lot with rented talent. You could have an unbelievable women's division, with the, but they're not all under contract. Right. And something tells me WWE may have looked at some of those women tonight and said, call her, call her, call her, call her. Don't be surprised. You I see was a little th- sad. I will say this, and I, I was talking about it earlier in the chat room with some of our friends. I was very surprised and a little sad that I didn't get a chance to see Lufisto out there. I yes. she was a great get. Yes. You know, AEW establishing themselves, so. I agree. Absolutely. Um, next, we had Cody versus Sean Spears. Tully Blanchard in Sean Spears' corner. Um, getting physical, which I thought was great. Uh, Cody coming out, I guess, what was this, Star Trek cosplay or whatever? But uh, oh. he's got DDP on one side and MJF on the other. And his wife with this big white fucking dog that looks scared as fuck that did not want to be there and petting the dog. Frodo Frodo didn't want to be there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Frodo. Oh, what the fuck is his name? Jesus. Uh, Sorry. I just fucked up the Star Trek reference. Never mind. Uh, Spike? Oh, Pharaoh. 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 Yeah, Pharaoh's the name of their dog. Frodo's the name of the guy from Lord of the Rings. And I'm thinking of Odo from Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I was going with the Star Trek reference. You know, look, I know Cody is part of AEW. And I'm not just talking about wrestling. I'm talking about company and putting in a ton of work and sweat and time and commitment to making this work. And Cody is talented, no question. But... You know, and they're having him coming out with this WrestleMania-esque entrance, even though it was just, you know, some pyro and the dog and the outfit. I'm looking at that and I'm like, you know, no, I, I, I don't think he should have had an entrance like that. I think he should have just came out. Just made no fucking sense. I'm looking at this. I'm like, Cody, have to do a start. Holy shit! Again, Mish, am I a genius when I said over a year ago the first millennial promotion 
something tells me like what he did tonight has like a little to do with that as well. He had this grand entrance and I'm like, uh, Cody, I don't know if you realize this. I mean, I know you're like big time involved with this and you're the focal point, you know, as far as AEW, but uh, what's up with this entrance? <laughs> My- if Triple H can have any entrance he wants. I <sighs> want to have any entrance I want to. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, it's funny. Cody, with that entrance tonight and trip and triple H remind me, this is going to sound weird, but I think this is another reference that a couple of years from now, you might turn back and say, wow, DT was so on point with this. You know what that reminds me of a Cody, a triple H and Cody doing the very same thing. Reminds me of Jericho and Mickey Rourke. When they did that whole storyline about Mickey Rourke, you know, just not being, you know, a wrestler and way past his prime and doing the whole wrestler thing. If you look at Chris Jericho's body and his look, it don't, he's starting to look like Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Yeah. But obviously Chris Jericho is could still go and still talented. And But I'm just saying like five, ten years from now, people are going to be like, wow, you know, Cody criticize the fuck out of Triple H. He's doing the same goddamn thing and the storyline with Chris Jericho and Mickey Rourke and Jericho's becoming the wrestler. Not yet, but <laughs> I see it too and it's kind of scary. You know, it's it, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I don't I don't, you know, cuz whatever, but Cody versus Sean Spears, look, the chair shot last time was brutal. Uh, yeah, you know, I I love the chair shot. I don't think every fucking chair shot should be banned. You know, it, you you want to say stuff about head and swelling, then you know every fucking tackle in football should be banned, and every fucking you just I don't know. I I just I don't think chair shots are needed, but the idea that it's fucking almost like saying the n word to someone, you know, it, it's just no, no. It's I I I'm not that you know, against it. But at the end of the day, Sean Spears is trying to reinvent himself. Sure. He's got the Rey Mysterio like, you know, yes, contacts now, which I think it's Mysterio eyes. <laughs> he looks great. I love Sean Spears looks great with the fucking contacts like that. It creeps it creeps me out a little it bit. It does. Like but, it didn't creep me out when I was on Rey Mysterio for some reason on Sean Spears. It makes him look eerie. And I'm not sure if that's really the look that he wants to go for or not. I'm not right. sure. Well, I, look, at the end of the day, it's still Ty Dillinger in my eyes. And the thing is, is that one chair shot is not going to all of a sudden make me want to see Cody beat the living shit out of Sean Spears. Not yet. Yeah. Right. It was a decent match. Uh, we saw... Um, an inflated Arn Anderson, you know, hit his <laughs> side slam. You know, look, God bless him, man. I, I will not criticize Arn Anderson for gaining some weight. I mean, he has every right to sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the years that he has on this earth. Sure. But when he hit that move and kind of like waddled out in a ring, you know, it was like, I mean, it was, I, I understand when he did it because Tully was out there. But I don't know. 
I just, I, it didn't click with me. It was and, a lot. And you had MJF there too. And the, the, the weird intro didn't help. And Cody Rhodes coming out once again, uh, winning, winning another match, by the way, let's, let's not kid ourselves here. Yes. He did lose the six man tag match, you know, which at this point is like, a, you're really throwing out straws there. If you're going to try and count that as a loss, mm-hmm. but the only singles match that even came close to losing was the tie that he had with Darby which a lot of us were led to believe that there was going to be a future for that kid because of that. But then we go back to the conversation we had that maybe they're trying to do an even playing field. God's, God knows what they're trying to do with that. Yeah. But Cody is still basically an undefeated singles wrestler. This should not have felt like a blow-off match. If anything, Sean Spears should have fucking hit Brandy with a chair or hit the dog with a chair. That would have been something. something. <laughs> I don't really mean that, but, you know, like... No, I know, but I mean... This should have continued... Yeah, this match should have ended differently. I Absolutely. Think. I just, I don't know, man. I was, it fell violence. flat. Not necessarily to the point where we have to have blood everywhere again. I'm not, I'm not even saying that. But I'm saying that the, the way it should have ended, it should have ended with violence, maybe towards the ref. I don't know. Yeah. But it should have been escalated to a different point. Yeah. You know? now, and then that weird standoff between MJF and Tor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were they choking each other? Yeah, I mean, like, they, like he takes his shirt off, and then Tully takes his shirt off, and it was MJF had his look on his face, like, put the shirt back on, I'll put mine back on, put yours back on, I'll put mine back on, and and Tully's a lot thinner than Arn or anyone else, but you know, as much as I like the commentary tonight, like, Golden Boy said that. If anything, Tully Blanchard may have defeated Dusty Rhodes more than anybody else in his career. <laughs> I was like, yeah. first of all, from 1984 to to the end of their careers, I think Dusty won about 90% of the matches. Uh, Tully Blanchard did not have a winning record over Dusty Rhodes. You know, it's just... You should have just prefaced it that if, you know, if anybody knows the Rhodes family, hates the Rhodes family, it's, you know, Tully and the Four Horsemen or whatever it is. But to turn around and say that Tully has beaten Dusty, you know, arguably more than anybody else. Uh, woo! That's all I have to say. <laughs> or, or the late Harley race. That's all I have to say. I, it's just like, no, no, that's not even like, it, no, it sounds good, but oh, it's not just, true. Yeah, they're doing the exact same, you know, revisionist history, my friends. Yeah. That's what it is. Wrestling companies love revisionist history, especially when they can use it in order to bolster their own ranks or to bolster their own history. Mm-hmm. You know, I did find, uh, and I will say in positive of Cody Rhodes, I did kind of a little bit mark out when he did the the nod to Dusty. Yes. Nod yes. to Daddy. Yes. With the uh, the crash the, the crotch grab fucking arm flinging elbow. <laughs> well, where was Dustin tonight? Yeah. Where was he? Tonight? Uh, you know, I was actually talking about that with people. He recently got promoted uh, in the back, didn't he? Isn't he now working as a staff? I, I know people were saying. I think it was Sean and myself once mm. again. Sean Hunter, much love, man. Uh, that was saying that he's not only staff, but he's also working as a wrestler at the same time. Mm. This might have been one of those stories where he just got this new promotion. Maybe tonight he was working as staff. I would have had him on the side of Cody instead of DDP. I'm not against DDP, but it was just like, 
okay, what was was he the only person that stood from Starcast that you know? Hey, you want to come out with me? Hmm. I, I don't know. I just I it. No, I agree. You would think that the Rhodes family would have had another Rhodes in it. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, especially fucking Tully has a little history with uh, sure. Dustin. You know. Anyway, next we had for the AAA tag team titles, the Lucha Brothers, two other champs defending against the Young Bucks. Now, I I want everybody to understand, and I want to remind everyone that so far we've done this recap a little over an hour. Sure. Putting, putting aside the Mike Johnson CM Punk talk, we have praised about, I'd say, 90% of what we've discussed so far. And the pay-per-view was excellent. I'll tell you why I did not like the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks match at all. Even though you, me, and a bunch of us predicted LAX would show up and attack, you know, the teams after, and that happened tonight, which was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. But... What what are they called? The Bori... Boricuas. 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 Suave. Um, I'll tell you why I did not like this match. I'm a very big stickler to detail. And something about Young Bucks matches that, you know, don't happen all the time because not everyone in their matches are ladder matches, but something you saw tonight that you would never see in WWE. All right. And yes, there are points where people are doing spots outside the ring. That's not what I mean. But when you have your opponents laid out outside the ring, you're always in storyline supposed to run and try to grab that fucking briefcase any way you can or grab that title any way you can. And there was too much outside the ring of the young bucks setting up tables, putting people yes. through tables, setting up ladders, and totally and totally ignoring the fucking belts that are hanging in the ring. And this felt more like Jack Evans, Teddy Hart, 15 years ago compared to now. And I invite anybody to rewatch that match and rewatch every single time they panned to the crowd. What you ended up getting with that crowd during that match is not a crowd that when you see them climbing the ladders for 95% of the time during that match, you don't see fans getting off their feet in excitement that somebody might grab the title or somebody might be hanging from the belt or somebody might be getting the, or just on the cusp of winning the titles. Nobody got that excitement. What you kept seeing out of fans' mouths, their faces, were the looks on your face when you see a car accident, when you see that immediate collision, or you see a pedestrian get hit by a car. (gasps) Oh! And that's what the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers were more interested tonight than anything else. They were more interested in the fans with the, did he just get hit by a car? They were more interested in the car wreck collision than the storyline of climbing the ladder. And that's why I hated the match. They put in a fucking top performance. I'm not saying they didn't perform great. It was a great fucking match. But it was a ladder match for the AAA tag titles. It was not a TLC match. It was not just a grudge match. It was a ladder match for tag team championships. And it was too much car accident. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. With as many matches 
as these two teams have had together over the last bit, or, or since the parking lot incident. Do you think that there should have been a better story told tonight than what they did? Because you're right. It felt like a car crash. And a matter of fact, I think even Jim Ross said it during his commentary. He's like, you never know what kind of matches these are going to be. They're either going to be, you know, high flying matches or they're going to be car crashes and everybody's going to end up everywhere. And this obviously ended up in the car crash category. But don't you think with as much history that these guys have had, there should have been a better story told tonight? I don't even think the tag titles should have been on the line. This ain't about belts. This right, ain't about right. belts. The blood feud at this point, right? Yeah, this is not about belts. We're not interested in your belts. We want to ruin your careers. We want to end your careers. It should have never been about the belts because if you're not going to make, you, you know, when you have a ladder match, you're telling a story about trying to climb the ladder and win the belts. And there were too many times towards the end of the match, then all of a sudden they got interested in the ladder and the ring. But it just felt more of spots. And again, look at every time they panned the crowd and it looked, the look on people's faces when somebody just got their head blown off or somebody just oh, had yeah. a car We're accident. Jokeses. Jokeses. Jesus. We are making jokeses. Uh, <laughs> like every single time that a spot happened, the, 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 the crowd, they actually pan to the crowd immediately and they find like the one hot girl who's shocked. She's shocked. Fuck out of here. <laughs> they don't understand. They don't understand. That's a niche audience that, that enjoys. I'm not saying Chicago is a niche audience, but right. there's only a certain number of people who want to see car accident spots over and over again. There's a lot of people out there that like the excitement. You're playing a video game. You're playing a video game where it's a puzzle and you're trying to get to the end of the puzzle. And then you, or you could be married. It could be anything. And then you get to the last stage. Oh, my God. I'm going to get... Fuck. I got killed. Oh, my God. Am I going to... Fuck. I got killed. The fuck I got killed should be the person didn't get the title. And instead of trying to win the puzzle... Instead, it was, you know what it's like? I'll give you a great example. Grand Theft Auto. Whenever in my lifetime, this is true, and I guarantee there's a lot of people out there who have done this also. Every Grand Theft Auto game that I have ever owned, I have never played any of the storylines. All I have done is get into the cars and run over people and fucking get chased by cops until I die. That's all I do. That's all I do in a game. I don't fucking do it to try to solve and win. And it's that I just go to fuck things up. And that's what that match felt like tonight. Well, here's the other thing about the match that really irritates me. And this falls more onto the shoulders of the young bucks. The young bucks feel underwhelmingly formulaic. Everything they do feels like it's something they've done a thousand times before. Because mm-hmm. they have. Phoenix. Phoenix and, and fucking Pentagon do not come off as formulaic wrestlers, even though you know they've done those moves a thousand times. When they execute them, they feel unique and different every single time. But the Young Bucks are so rigid, which is interesting for high flyers, but they feel so practiced that it's almost boring to watch. When them. you do it all the time, you do it none of the time. 
Right. It's not exciting. It's not, doesn't stand out. And I said this tonight, watch when they're 45 years old, when they can't even jump into a pool. And it's just, the, the, just the, the psychology is not there all the time. You could be, psych, you know, use psychology on social media. You could use psychology on pre-recorded videos. You could use psychology in Japan. You could use that. But keep in mind that that's a niche audience. And if you're going to be content with two or 300,000 people, you know, in the end, or 600,000 people. They're, they're headliners, though, too. We're not talking. Right. Look, at the end of the day, the Lucha Brothers are far better wrestlers, period. They are. They emote better. They have a better connection to the crowd. They have a better work rate in the ring. They feel like they flow a lot better, even though there's a lot of spots that happen between those guys. It, everything, it's far more fluid, DT. Mm. It's fluid. With what the fucking Young Bucks do, these, these guys are the face of the fucking company. They're up there with Cody as till the day AEW dies, there will always be a fucking Young Bucks match. Right. Do you understand that? Right. Forever. Until the day that they close AEW's doors, there will always be a Cody match and there will always be a Young Bucks match. They are invested for life. Mm. And if they're this non-gratifying now, if they're this rigid now, how sick of them are we going to be in a year, well, in two years, it's not in a, five years? It's not a matter of being sick. The Young Bucks are extremely talented. They are, no doubt, one of the top tag teams in wrestling. But again, you look at that match tonight. Again, a ladder match for tag titles. And... There was no suspense of from the fans of climbing the ladders. They were more looking for the collisions. They were looking for the car accidents. They were looking for the, <gasps> you know, like, oh, he just got hurt. He just got killed. Oh, my God. You know, what are you going to do next? Oh, my God. <gasps> I mean, every camera shot. And there was none of this suspense of climbing. No. I didn't like it. I, I like. No, I agree with you. Like I, the spots, I get it. It was fine, but yeah, the, the entire construct of the match was boring. The execution of the match didn't make sense in a lot of parts. There was it was never about the belts, which is what it, the entire right. match was supposed to be about. You know, it was just the entire narrative of of the match was just dull. Yeah, it was very. I'm I um the uh, Lucha Brothers won, and then the LAX. They came out with, uh, yeah. what, a Clinton and a fun. Kennedy mask? Yeah. yeah. Attacked yeah, there were, both what was teams. It? One was George Bush. What was the other one? I thought one was Clinton and one was, was it Bush? I thought it was Kennedy. I, maybe it was Kennedy. Yeah, it was I, Kennedy. I no, it was Clinton and Kennedy. Bush and Kennedy. Clinton and Kennedy. I'm Mike is saying. Oh, no, it was Clinton and Kennedy. I, I know one of them was Clinton for sure. And I could have sworn the other one was JFK. Because I was like, wow, I haven't seen a JFK mask in a long time without a bullet in it. You know. Dude, everybody... One one person says it's Clinton and Reagan. No, Another it's Clinton. It's definitely Kennedy. no. It's not even a question. It was Clinton, and it was uh, JFK. I'm pot. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm sure. Amp Williams is saying Gore, Al Gore. I don't think it was Al Gore. Jesus. Al All Gore. right. So we, we need a, we need a confirmation yeah. on the uh, the LAX masks. Okay. Um, I'm surprised they didn't just come out in fucking you know handkerchiefs. You know, you know like uh, I'm a little disappointed at some AEW fans out there because I wrote something on Twitter earlier oh, tonight 
And, uh, you know, Lawl, it's Jerry Lawler and the other one looks like Kennedy. You're right. No, it's Bill Clinton and Kennedy. It's Bill Clinton and Kennedy. It's not, it's definitely, you know what? I'll even show you the mask on Amazon later. I would just bust Oh, by the way, congrats to Julian. He actually won the predictions this week. And Julian and I are the only two people I predicted Pac winning. Oh. Don't uh, even ask me why I predicted Pac. I just was throwing. You knew you were just throwing a Hail Mary. Oh, no, one. yeah, yeah, no. When I, I, I threw examples uh, for the predictions contest on Patreon. And I was just putting match examples like this is what your entry should look like. So, you know, Seth sends the tweet this morning and I'm half asleep. He's like, you know, hey, should I use these? I'm like, yeah, just add Awesome Kong to it. Like, I didn't even, I honestly, honestly forgot who I had written down for anything. But it was still fun nonetheless. But uh, I was a little surprised tonight that a lot of people uh, didn't get my little reference. You know, we saw we saw that video package of of that guy. What the fuck was his name again? I I was doing the spoof. Oh, the the new rock. Oh yeah, yeah. With that came out with his that girl. Yeah, I was that again. Jesus Christ, Warlock. I, Wardlow. I, I, Wardlow. 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 Like that. Yeah, he comes out there. And he's in a parking lot. He, he drives up in a parking lot and he comes out the car with a stripper. And he walks up to these dudes and they just start swinging off. <laughs> I couldn't believe nobody knew who I was talking about. when I Because the, 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 what's that old game, Where's Waldo? Yeah, and I wrote, yeah. Where's Wardlow? You know, to be a, sa- a spoof of Where's Waldo? And I, and only three people got it. And I'm like, come on, man. You don't fucking know, you know Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? That's when I always say, when you see people who say, I watch NXT every single week, and an NXT wrestler comes to the main roster, and they're like, oh, you know, it's a pretty impressive move. Well, you probably would have saw it 800 times if you'd watched NXT. You know? Right. Anyway, LAX interferes. Um, one thing I will also say, I said earlier that after tonight, I feel WWE's female roster, women's wrestling is dominant, more dominant than AEW, unless they ink some of these people the deals. I'll say the opposite about AEW. I think AEW's tag team, uh, division is a lot stronger than WWE's. And I also think impact wrestling is in fucking jeopardy. Impact Wrestling needs to be nervous because basically what AEW did tonight was take several Impact Wrestlers and put them in a nice mix with a lot of other stars and basically say, okay, here's how you you do it. Remember when you guys were popular on television? No? Here. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they did. Yeah, I'm telling you, Impact Wrestling, look, no disrespect to some of the wrestlers who performed there to actually listen to our shows. Um, this is not the wrestlers, but the company itself needs to be concerned because these viewers are coming from somewhere and don't think that they're strictly all going to be from WWE. There are going to be other, I think ring of honor also needs to be concerned. They needed to be concerned even before AEW became in existence. But, uh, I like the tag team division in AEW. There's a lot of choosing, you know, they can go. I want to see where this tournament goes. Right. For sure. Yeah. So finally, we got the main event for the first ever AEW champion. We said earlier about the female referee, Aubrey, Aubrey Edwards. 
Mm. Thought she did a fine job. The animation, as I said earlier, uh, no, no, I don't think she did a fine job. I think she did everything wrong. She needed to get attention. She was wearing bright red lipstick that everybody kept talking about because they kept looking at it. Another thing in her attire that is supposed to be, she's not supposed to wear lipstick or you would expect another reason for a ref not to draw attention to themselves. She was emoting all over the place. She was uh, showing, she was wincing during the moves. Yeah, that that's just, fucking oh, terrible. Just I, over the top. She was over the top when what she should have done is kind of laid low, done her job, got in, got out, and been great at doing that. But for whatever reason, she needed to be part of the match. And so I think she really did a poor job. I think she's a poor example. So great. Yeah, you guys got the first. Woo. Enjoy it. I have to do some research on her work for the feds. I need to see if she's that animated in other feds because if she's not, and I'm wondering if if AEW is. Former refs did that. No, they don't. Refs get the fuck out of the way, dude. They don't jump in the middle of the match and fucking make it about themselves. They don't wince and hop up and down when when the the face gets a move in. Like, yeah, watch that match, dude. That is not an atypical ref in any. Listen, listen, guys, guys in the chat. Oh, refs used to kick heels when they held the ropes. Earl Hepner did that to the. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about when Earl Hepner, you know, gets somebody puts his hands on him and he fucking slaps him back. He did it tonight. Uh, What we're talking about is. You know what? Listen to the beginning of the show. Uh, unless, you know, you have very short attention spans. What did we say at the beginning of the show? Very At the very end of the match, when Hangman Page hit his finisher on Jericho, and Jericho kicked out in two and three quarters, all right? Page should have been the one who had this gigantic frustration on his face, just like fucking Riho when she thought she got the win at the very end and 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 her opponent kicked out. That frustration, like my oh come on, what the f- come on? The referee had that look. Referee doesn't have a frustrated look because someone kicks out. You cutting it down the middle, you don't show frustration. There was a oh, lot of things done tonight. It. Yeah. You, 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 I, I apologize for those in the chat, but you are way off on this. You do not compare, you know, what that with what happened tonight. Her antics, her, her, her facial expressions, you're not a wrestler in a match. You're supposed to be the provider. You imagine a boxing match, if fucking Mills Lane or someone else, when somebody punched someone in the face and fucking knocked them out. Could you imagine if you had been like, Get the fuck out of here. That was garbage. And it would have been just as much garbage if it was a guy referent tonight or a girl or fucking Nellie Rose, whatever the fuck his name is, or anybody else. It doesn't matter what gender or anything. You don't do that. And that was god-awful tonight. And I'm, and I'm going to look into her work in other feds because if she doesn't do that for other feds, I'm wondering if AEW told her to do that to try to make the the her commentating of this match come off as that much more important because it was the first-ever champion. And if that's the case, like I said, AEW's the new kid on the block. AEW's the girl that just moved in from... Maybe this is what they're going to do. Maybe refs are going to be far more emotive and... Maybe refs are not going to pin people based upon who they like. Wouldn't that be interesting, guys? Wins and loss records really 
end up not mattering because it really just depends on if the reference. Listen, somebody posted her tweet where she says, oh, I'm getting countless messages from parents of young women saying they love a strong female authority figure on TV. You know, you, you know what my answer is to Aubrey Edwards writing that tweet? You know, uh, those parents should have had their fucking children tweeting Michelle Obama oh. and other women out there. Not a fucking female referee at 1130 at night refereeing two men simulating violence with blood in the middle of the ring. Yeah, being strong. Re- up at midnight. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it, whenever, look, whenever you're something on TV that you don't fit that mold, you 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 follow it with a tweet or an Instagram comment or something that says, "Oh, I'm getting all of this support from all of these people." If Nile Rose wins the belt, that's the next tweet. I'm getting all of these support for all the transgenders out there. We got a strong. Oh, no. Dude, when Nyla wins, oh my God! How's going about to the landscape of the entire world? The entire world. Will now have yeah. All, all of these parents, all of these parents tweeting Aubrey Edwards. Finally, we got a strong woman on TV. Yeah, because Bailey and Sasha and Becky and Alexa and all the Impact Wrestling women, and you know, because they're not strong, pre- you know, presence on TV. Not a fucking you know actress or performer. A, a referee. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Look, they're all tweeting you know, at twelve midnight. Match. They're all tweeting at twelve midnight. Yeah, the fuck out. Hangman here. Page comes out on a horse, and it's kind of funny because I'm I'm still reading Al Snow's book, right? And the first thing I think of is is one of the stories that Al Snow's talking about, where a promoter uh, wanted to switch him on the card and put him lower on the card because it was their raffle mania, as he put it, and they wanted to come out on horses and shit, and. Al Snow knows that if you bring horses out to the ring, there's going to be problems because if you don't shoe them properly, they're going to slide and everything else. Like, <laughs> yeah, this way. So this was because because he was he doesn't like promoters screwing him. Like he was telling on another story, and I'm, I'm not just going to make this short. Where if a promoter fucked him over, he would throw the promoter down the stairs, or he would hunt down the promoter's wife and fucking shake the shit out of her and threaten to beat her ass. And, <laughs> Like, this is shit that Al Snow did. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude, this is some serious shit. And so these promoters are like, we want to go on first because this is our tag team and this is our WrestleMania, blah, blah, blah. And so they came out there with horses and the horses slipped and fell like Al Snow knew they would. And the horses were freaking out and they started pissing all over the audience. And there was shit flying everywhere as this horse kept trying to struggle to get back up because it's metal shoes on the metal floor kept sliding right so it couldn't get its balance so this horse is flaying all over the place hitting fucking guardrails and shitting all over the audience and people are running and fling and al's just sitting back there going (laughs) i was just laughing his ass off man but i i was thinking the same exact thing i'm like what are they going to do with hangman page and he's coming down to the ring with the horse, and they stopped it really early because yeah. I was waiting. I was waiting for the horse to get spooked and <laughs> kick a fucking audience member or start shitting on all the people in Chicago and urinating and falling. That's what I was waiting for. 
I was legitimately waiting for that, especially after reading Al Snow's book on that. Yeah. Dude, I was like, what the fuck? Jerry Lawler. He stopped him. Jerry Lawler used to come out on a horse for some of his matches when he used to come out to the Rocky music. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple well, of them. knew that his, his horse had to be shooed properly. Or yeah, had to have, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, Yeah. And by the way, uh, to that... Nimrod earlier, I was actually sincerely complimenting Michelle Obama. I don't know what drugs you're on. I wasn't saying it as a nasty thing. I'm saying that there's a lot of other strong women on in on TV in recent memory that should have been, you know, immediately triggered an example of your daughters than a fucking female referee at midnight. That would have been an insult if you said Ivana, though. Come on. Ivana hasn't done shit compared to Michelle. Well, I didn't say I didn't say her. I, I said know you Michelle. Did, yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you would have said Ivana, then it would have yeah. been an insult. All, all these well, parents Michelle. are tweeting me at midnight. Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. True enough. Uh, oh, I'm, maybe I'm jealous because I'm not a female referee. Oh yeah, Melina. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Ivana, Ivana's a daughter. Whatever. <laughs> Ivanka. Yes, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. <laughs> anyway, we got Hangman Page. He comes out. Jericho's intro you know nothing like the last one just basically came out to i guess his music and by the way i saw a lot of complaints tonight about the music that some of these wrestlers are coming out to um they're not coming out to you know contemporary you know mainstream music you know they're gonna have to come up with their own you know entrance themes well here's the thing with that too um it's going to be very expensive for AEW to jump on board and start doing stuff like that. Maybe they can do some stuff with smaller bands and have bands come in there and, and like come up with songs mm-hmm. or maybe the wrestlers can pick up local songs and see if that they can get the bands to, to allow them to use their music. Right. WWE doesn't have an excuse for using the same song for fucking three, four five years straight for one wrestler. Right. AEW on the other hand has every right to have kind of generic music. It's this is what you got to expect, folks. Right? They're not at that level where they're going to have Metallica come out there. Every other yeah, time. and Jericho's only going to come out to his own music, and I mean you're not going to see Fozzie before. Shit, yeah. So. so. Yeah, right. But you know the match, they made it seem very important, which was good. Um, the match was very told a great story. I think that's probably the best, nicest way I could put it. It was very physical towards the end. Jericho getting busted open above his eye. Um, a lot of two counts. Slow though. Yeah, for the first 15 minutes in a match, the match went 26. For the first 15 to 18 minutes in a match, it really felt like, let me put it this way. I probably wouldn't have had the young bucks have their match right before mine. You know what I mean? It was just like you went from complete train wreck car accidents to a lot of storytelling, wrestling, catches, catch can, you know, uh, wrist locks, you know, just a lot of holds. And it was a very plain match. I, it was a little underwhelming because I was It was underwhelming, yeah, it was. Because Hangman Page came into this match with a lot of fire behind him. You know, he was kind of given that that uh, platform mm-hmm. to be the face of the, the, the new generation of wrestlers and, and the guy that's going to come up and build his new name because people are familiar with the Young Bucks, people are familiar with Cody. Hangman Page has a history, but... 
it was this match tonight that I was kind of like, okay, let's see what he can do. And I don't know. I just didn't get it a lot from him. It almost felt like, I don't know if he was holding back. I don't know if, if Chris Jericho wasn't able to do, I, I don't know what it was, but the beginning of the match for a lot of the time, the story that they were telling wasn't very interesting. Right. And I thought there should have been a lot more of Hangman Page kind of, kind of, excuse the pun, young bucking uh, Chris Jericho. I thought he should have been showing more athleticism. He should have been showing more power. You know, Chris Jericho should have countered that with experience, should have countered that in general, a lot of his moves. And Hangman Page should have made a lot of mistakes, you know, as far as trying to uh, engage Chris. But it didn't feel like that at all. It felt, it just felt very formulaic again. I, I hate to use that word again in the night, but that's what it felt like. It felt like it was very just, you know, you do this, I'll do this, you do this, I'll do this, you do this. And until the point when, you know, Jericho got a hold of the blade from the ref and all of a sudden things started changing. It, then the blood came out. Then they started acting differently. They started upping the game. All of a sudden it looked a lot more savage. You know, you've got, uh, and and by the way, and, and I know it was it was Sean Spears and Cody were covered in it too. Uh, Jericho and Hangman Page were covered in it too. If you're gonna have the girls go out there in the middle of the show, make sure they're not wearing glitter, right? Because all these motherfuckers were covered in pink and green and blue glitter. Hmm. And it was a little bit distracting to watch these big dudes beating on each other when they looked like cheap rippers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sorry. And I know that's a stupid nitpicky thing. No, no, no. It makes sense. I was like, come on. Can we just maybe not use glitter in the ring? Jesus. But anyways, yeah, for the most part, the, the match was pretty fucking generic. But towards the end, it stepped up, and I enjoyed the way it finished. Yes. Told a great story in the end. The last 10 minutes I mean, told a great story. I was I was genuinely happy that Jericho won. I know a lot of people told me that I was wrong before for wanting Jericho to win, but I thought it would make more sense because I thought that Jericho would establish the company, and I think he's the first champion that they need. And I like that you brought up Terry Funk earlier when you were referencing you know him and ECW being the first. I really feel yeah. like Chris Jericho is that guy, yeah, to be an established wrestler that's not only remembered by old school WWE and WCW fans and, you know, see, uh, I, fans and everything else like that. But he's also a guy that's current. He, he's got his own radio show. He's got his own band and he's also a family man. And he's also a bonafide wrestler. He's yeah. A good wrestler. See, was Terry Funk the first DCW champion? No, but, Terry Funk became ECW champion on their first pay-per-view, Barely Legal. And Terry Funk was the leader of that company and helped ECW take off, you know, basically take off in 93. And the thing is, is that I thought Hangman Page was winning this. Throughout the weekend, I started thinking about it more and more, and that's why I made the Terry Funk reference early. Started reminding me, like, you know, they're about to go on TNT. 
They need, uh, you know, a top guy, you know, to not only be a representative of the company, but, you know, basically lead them into, you know, this next stage. And for ECW was Terry Funk going into pay-per-view. And I said, you know what? Chris Jericho would be the perfect Terry Funk for AEW. Um, And remember, how old was Terry Funk when uh, he won the heavyweight title? I think he was 53. I think he was 53. Chris Jericho's not that far off. So he's an older man, but he can also go. I mean, Terry Funk could still go as well at that time. And, um, you know, so I started thinking to myself like, oh, you know, if, if they give the belt to Chris Jericho leading into the first TV, I have no problem with it. And Jericho pulled it out. And to what you asked before about Hangman Page not showing a lot tonight, um, maybe that's by design for the rematch. Fair enough. And I and I saw something in there. Uh, Gareth Nelson, big friend of the show, he put up a little meme saying, you know, Cena bearing Wyatt, you know, uh, or Cena beating Wyatt is Cena bearing Wyatt, but then Jericho beating Hangman Page is we've got to do this in order to build up the brand for Jericho, yada, yada. The the major difference there is that Cena had a, a long, 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 long fucking history of beating everyone in his path, whether he deserved to or not. Jericho isn't a brand new company. Jericho does not have a history in AEW other than the pay-per-views that you've previously seen. And Hangman Page is the new kid on the block. So right. I just wanted to combat that. It, just, it was kind of like I can see people running with that going, yeah, Fuck Jericho, and I don't think that's right. I think Jericho did the right thing. I think it, the, the way that this ended up was the right way. Do I wish the match was better? Of course I do. I want to see both of these guys do very fucking well. I like Jericho. I see promise in Hangman Page. But, you know, this just wasn't the best match. Yeah, there. I liked that they brought his family in to give you that that idea, like, uh, you know, how important it is, but not only that, that there's a good chance he could possibly win it. And not come out on top. So, you know, look, the overall, the match was good. Um, You know, we told a great story towards the end. There definitely has to be a rematch, without a doubt. And uh, that was pretty much the pay-per-view. I mean, that's how they went off the air. Nobody came out. No Moxley, no CM Punk. You know, no surprise at that. There There were people praying in the chat. Praying that there was going to be a CM Punk appearance. I actually thought that there might have been a Moxley promo. I mean, yes, of course, Moxley couldn't go down in the ring or anything like that. I was even at the point where I'm blinking. Maybe they're going to do a pre-recorded promo and throw something like that up there. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. You know? And you know what? Look at the publicity that AEW is going to get now with Chris Jericho as their first champion. Look at all the non- wrestling outlets that will mention that would those same non-wrestling outlets mention it if hangman page would have won it probably not I think they would have because AEW has its own weird following uh in the public you know, media maybe you know not I mean? in all the music have, areas how many people i don't know how many people would have been casual readers going oh this hangman page looks like a wrestler i want to start watching tv again for but chris jericho on the other hand i bet you chris jericho could bring some people back Mm. I do. I, I believe Chris Jericho still has that appeal that even the Attitude Era fans still see him and go, oh, I like Chris. What's he doing now? He's a champion of a different company that's not WWE? Huh. 
Oh, and it's going on television. When does it start TV? Next week? Oh, maybe I'll have to check that out. You know what I mean? Like, I can see people doing that with Jericho. I can't see them doing that with Hangman Page. Exactly. Not because Hangman Page isn't a good wrestler and doesn't deserve it. He's not marketable yet. Right. He just doesn't have the history that Jericho does. Now, you know what we need to have happen next? We need Jericho to cut a backstage interview tonight cursing up a storm. (laughs) <laughs> we don't get that enough when someone wins like a major match. Like well, they were bleeping. I don't know if you caught it, but during the actual broadcast, yeah, I know you're talking about bitch. They were censoring shit. Uh, I think there was another couple words that they had that they censored, and I'm like, dude, you guys are on Bleacher Report. It's an internet broadcast. You guys aren't even on television. I mean, Comcast. You can't say the word shit. When you're on a private event on Comcast, I'm like, stop. <laughs> I don't know why. If, if there's anything that they want to try and pick up from WWE, don't pick that up. Right. Leave that shit at home. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants another censored show. That's the big problem that WWE is facing right now, is that it's censored at every other corner. Whether it's self-censorship or censorship because of FCC regulations or censorship because they don't want to piss off their sponsors, don't fucking do it. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you have to be completely fucking lewd and have nudity and dropping F-bombs here and there. I'm not saying that at all. But don't censor casual words that fly by. That's just absolutely stupid. Yeah. Well, with that, we have your AEW pay-per-view recap in the books. Scale 1 to 10, what do you give it? Favorite match, least favorite match? Oh, man. You know what? I wasn't, I I was going to say my favorite. Oh, fuck. Hmm. My favorite is going to be Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. Yeah. I got to go with you. I think, I think that match stole the night for me. It told a great story. The guys were doing interesting moves. You know, like everything made sense. Jimmy Havoc winning didn't feel undeserved. Uh, I, I The only negative I had about the match was I felt that Darby Allen, I, I'm not sure if Darby Allen should have won it, but it, it just. It's a little odd seeing the fact that he was out there against Cody and now he's just kind of losing, but yeah. whatever, for whatever reason. Worst match of the night. Probably the Dark Order. Yeah. Uh, versus the best friends. Not because, not because like other matches, you know, had bigger pitfalls. Like the Young Bucks have a bigger pitfall, but the match was still exciting for what it was. I think the Dark Order versus the Best Friends could have been completely left off the guard. And let's not, dude. And and for for Antox, I love you, Antox, in the chat room. But they they censored the word Beretta, so I don't know how <laughs> PG you think that these guys are. They wouldn't even call him Trent Beretta. They had to call him Trent because the word Beretta is a gun, and I guess they're afraid of saying the word gun in Chicago because you never know who's going to be carrying. So yeah. that yeah. their level of censorship is stupid already, but. The match that could have been completely off the card, in my opinion, is the Dark Order versus the Best Friends. I think you could have left that behind and I would have been okay. Well, as far as favorite match, I'll pick something different just to pick something different. I will put Kenny Omega and Pac up there because I thought it, I thought it told a great story. I mean, you know, the Cody match told a story too, but uh, I just didn't like the abrupt feel of the finish of that storyline. Like the feud is over. I don't like that. Uh, the main event was 
good. Um, it, it, I don't know. I just, for some reason, that three-way uh, that you mentioned and Pac versus Omega, those two for me. I'll, I'll go with uh, Omega Pac just to be a little different. Worst match for me, I agree. Um, that 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 match didn't even need to be on. I would uh, arguably put SCU versus Luchasaurus, Midgesaurus, and Orphanosaurus. Yeah. Um, I would put that arguably. If you could insist that I pick different matches, then I'll go with that one because okay. um, Marco Stunt has no business having that much <laughs> offense. <laughs> To see Daniels and Kazarian bouncing around like a ball like that is just ridiculous. But, Bish, a little longer than we expected, but full-blown, evenly discussed. We we actually picked a lot of the same matches and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of cool to uh, realize that a lot of the the same pitfalls and mistakes that I saw are the same exact ones that you echoed in your own sentiments. So, it makes me feel better about the way that I'm viewing this because, you know, sometimes we get a little bit of hate. You know, yeah. on our end, because people think that we're just blind AEW fucking snarling assholes that hates everything about the company. And that's not the case. It's not true. I, I'd like to think of myself as being very objective to different ideas and the way that things are perceived. So mm-hmm. I was very happy to do the show, and I hope that fucking people enjoyed the hell out of it. So, yeah, you know. Well, Mish, pleasure as always. I think for our patrons out there, since we ended up doing a contest and we ended up doing a full-blown recap... I think uh, what we'll do is Tuesday for Breakfast Soup Live, we will not be doing any questions on Breakfast Soup Live. We'll just have a lighthearted conversation, talk about SmackDown this way. We'll do a very yeah, easy show. Yeah, three shows this week, huh? Yeah, three <laughs> shows this week. And um, I believe I tell you, as soon as uh, we cut off over here, I probably have to hit the uh, the old men's room. Oh, yeah. Just a yeah, lot of stomach pains. You know, just sitting up like this is not easy, but... Oh, yeah. yeah, pleasure as always, my friend. All right, DT. Glad we talked. Yeah, have a great night, and uh, I will talk to you on Tuesday. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, though. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this recap. Please give us your feedback. You can follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD, the website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony, at DonTony.com, Facebook.com, slash show, And remember, Patreon.com, slash DonTony. I will announce the winner of the contest probably Sunday, if not Monday, on a DTKC show. Uh, as far as me being on Monday, it's still up in the air. Got to see how I feel. I have a late doctor's appointment Monday, and uh, that's supposedly going to take a lot out of me, but we'll see. I hope you enjoyed this recap. So on behalf of Mish, I am Don Tony, bidding you farewell. I will talk to you all again soon. Take care. Ciao. Tune out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com slash Nevia. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com.